This is Checked In with Splash. Welcome back to the Checked In podcast, folks. In today's episode, we're answering the question, how are other event professionals measuring success and proving ROI? In part two of our events industry trends recap, growth marketing expert Chris Johnson of Splash joins me to talk about everything from setting goals to proving the value of your event programs. And if you listen to the end, a very special guest joins me to give us their take on how to cut through the noise, attract the right attendees, and beat attrition at your events. Let's dive in. Okay, now it's my distinct pleasure to welcome Chris Johnson, our Director of Growth Marketing, and my own personal growth guru to join me on stage. Hey, Camille, how's it going? Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for being down for this and, you know, hopping on the Insights bandwagon today. So just to quickly set the stage here for our audience, it's definitely worth mentioning that an overwhelming number of people expressed interest in hearing about how others are measuring success and proving ROI. So of course, it was a no brainer to ask you to jump in and speak to the latest trends in tracking and reporting event success. So Chris, let's get right into it. Talk to me about how you think about measuring success and proving ROI from our marketing programs specifically our event programs? Yeah, sure, Camille. So let's start by breaking that question down into its two component parts, with the first being measuring success and the second being proving ROI from your event programs. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about measuring success, we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that defining success for your events is very much dependent on what sort of goals you set for your event from the very beginning. So for example, you may host a VIP networking dinner where your goals are to get as many of your VIP customers registered as possible, have the highest attendance rate possible, and last but certainly not least, for your guests to have an absolutely amazing experience at your event. For a VIP networking dinner or a customer appreciation event like this, revenue generation may not be super high up on the list of metrics that you're trying to optimize for, and that's okay. Mm. Yeah. On the other hand, if you're hosting something like a product launch, your goals may be very different. So it might be like get as many RSVPs and attendees as you can and generate as much pipeline or revenue for your new product in the 90 days following the product launch. It all starts with what your goals are from the very beginning. You know, success Mm -hmm. is all relative. It really, really Um, is. That brings us on to our next point, which is just that being clear with your team and your leaders within the organization about what your goals are for the event and really setting those expectations for the event also helps dictate what metrics you look at in order to determine whether the event was successful or not. With that being said, let's move into talking about the metrics that matter and how to measure event ROI when you're thinking about an event where the goal is to generate new revenue. So we might look at metrics like how many RSVPs did you generate? How many attended? What was the attendance rate? The NPS of your Mm -hmm. event? If you're a B2B company, you might look to segment your RSVP and attendee data by the persona that the person is in, by the particular account, or by the company size. When we're thinking about outcomes, and again, this is from like the context of a a B2B lens, we look at things like the number of opportunities being created, 
pipeline being created? How many opportunities did we win? How much revenue did we generate? And then some of our favorite metrics are our revenue efficiency numbers, like Mm -hmm. cost per opportunity, revenue generated divided by event spend. And if you have a longer sales cycle, you can look at expected revenue divided by event spend, which would be like a stage weighted based on what you currently have in your pipeline, how much revenue do you expect to win? So it's really driving at that ROI number that everybody loves to see. Got it. Yeah, it's also really helpful in order to effectively compare across different types of events, those revenue efficiency metrics. So you can compare them for virtual events, hybrid events, in-person events, and it kind of normalizes for different levels of investment. And it really helps you understand what's working and what's not working on a relative basis. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in a couple of slides at what that looks like. Chris, I just have to acknowledge that like you could honestly teach a masterclass on this. So folks, fret not if this has piqued your interest. I will certainly be inviting Chris onto our Checked In with Splash podcast really soon to dive even deeper into these topics. Chris, you mentioned NPS, which could be, you know, attendee sentiment. And we've also heard that phrased as return on emotion, which feels like a little bit more of a a more recent but still prevalent trend. Just wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about that. And then I'm definitely curious to hear how you're thinking about diving a little bit deeper into like the B2B versus B2C lens. Yeah, definitely. So we talked a lot about the metrics for B2B. A couple other ones just throw in the mix would be whether, you know, somebody attending an event speeds up the time for them to create an opportunity or the time uh, that an opportunity is actually closed. One, from the B2C lens, some of the very similar metrics to B2B, but like RSVPs, attendance, NPS, like a sentiment survey or return on emotion, which we'll talk about a little bit more. And also if for that particular event, you're trying to drive sales. So it's like a launch event and somebody can actually buy the product or service at the event. You would want to measure that. And then also, you know, for folks who are a little bit more sophisticated for their ROI measure, looking at how much revenue did you generate, you know, 30, 60, 90 days for Mm. that audience that attended the event. And, you know, just choose a timeframe that makes sense for your business. And then if you have more of like a subscription model-based business, looking at the re- relative retention rate for somebody who attended that event or attends numerous of your events compared to your overall customer base can give you a lot of insight into whether event attendance is driving increased retention, which you know everybody knows is a super critical metric. Let's remember though, like you said, at the end of the day, events are all about connecting people together, whether virtually, in-person or hybrid. So when we talk about return on emotion, I think what we're really referring to is, you know, did you create a memorable experience for your guest? Did they mm-hmm. get out of the event what they were hoping to? Did we fulfill on our promise to our audience for the event? And did we represent our brand well? Is there anything that you would add to that, Camille? I think you really hit everything, Chris. And it's really interesting to hear from you some of the similarities and differences between how you might measure and track success from your events. Let's go ahead and get our takeaways. So first, your KPIs should be determined by your goal for the event, first and foremost. Okay, takeaway number two, measure both return on emotion and return on investment. And remember that these can change over time. So as Chris said, thinking about what is the right time frame for your business to look back at these metrics and, and really see the success. And then yeah. thirdly... Segmenting your results to unlock deeper insights is a game changer. 
Chris, would you add anything here? I think this is it, Camille. One thing that I would note on that second highlight for measuring the return on emotion and the return on investment, and remember that they can change over time, pick a time frame that makes sense for your business. But it's actually really common even for us where we see you know, an opportunity being created or closed one from an event that happened. It could have happened a year ago. It could have happened two years ago. And then, you know, a lot of people have questions and they're like, oh, why did this opportunity take so long to be created or be closed one if it took, you know, if the event was two years ago? And it's like, no, they just watched the on-demand like two weeks ago. The sales cycle was two weeks. So Mm -hmm. really kind of contextualizing your return on investment and thinking about it within distinct timeframes is really helpful. And always remember, like, you know, the the power of on demand, you can see, you know, returns on events that you had, you know, for months, years after the fact, which is always amazing. Great way to improve the ROI of your event program. I'm obsessed. Honestly, one of my favorite things is getting the email notifications when we've got new registrants for our on demand content, because I'm like, yes, this was a webinar from 2021 or 2020, and it's still performing for us. So love to see it. That's a that's a really great call out. Okay, Chris, before we move on, I think that we got to get a little bit more into the nitty gritty around what to watch and, you know, what metrics you should really be paying attention to. So can you kind of unpack this and just give us the breakdown here? What are we looking at? Yeah, so there's a couple different things. So broken it down by B2B events, B2C events, and also important metrics for every event. So we can start on the important metrics for every event, RSVPs, attendance and attendance rate, your event feedback and NPS for B2B, you know, the number of opportunities that you created, how much pipeline did that generate, close one revenue and the ROI for your event. And then for B2C events, uh, definitely want to track social media mentions and registrations driven from social, especially if you're selling tickets or if it's a, if it's an event where you're really trying to drive as much registration as possible. The difference between, you know, for a really good social engagement could be the difference between 100 attendees or 1,000 or even 10,000 attendees. And then obviously event engagement, how you measure, how you define that really depends on you know, whether the event's virtual or hybrid or in person. And then, of course, revenue that you generate either during the event, pre-event if it's ticket sales, and post-event from that particular group of audience who attended your event. And then don't forget, if you're a subscription business, definitely look if there's a link between retention rate and event attendance. Whew. Okay. This is a lot. As I said, Chris is my, like, growth guru. He's always helping me figure out as a marketer what metrics I need to be paying attention to. So I'm I'm so glad that you provided this breakdown, Chris, for everyone. Anything else you want to share on measuring success or proving ROI before we move on? So something that's really helpful to think about and ask in your host event survey is not only net promoter score, but also consider asking your attendees whether they shared this event with anyone in their network and why or why not. If you're seeing high NPS scores, but people aren't sharing your event before the event, it may indicate that your event promotional materials, your landing pages, or emails, or the messaging may need to be tweaked a little bit in order to more clearly communicate what your event is, who your event is for, and what 
your audience can expect to get out of the event to make your event more shareable, kind of communicating clearly what the value is to somebody so that they feel confident and comfortable enough to share that event registration with their network. The other really helpful thing is, you know, for your post-event follow-up, definitely ask questions like, you know, what did you like about the event? What could be improved? And definitely crowdsource suggestions for your next event. And when looking at NPS and revenue numbers, remember it's really helpful to segment your results and look at whether an event attendee is a first-time attendee or if they've been to a number of events as you might be able to glean some really interesting insights. I'm obsessed, Chris. You've dropped many gems on us here today. We've got one more slide I think that you wanted to show. So tell us what we're looking at here and bring us through what you want to share about this. Yeah, definitely. So here's a more detailed view of how you can measure the business impact of your event programs. So we filled this in with some example events and some example data, and we can walk through it really quickly. Again, this is more B2B focused, but stay tuned for a follow-up event that we're hosting where we'll talk more about event ROI, generating pipeline, and specifically for both B2B companies and B2C companies. This particular view is looking at, you know, thinking about measuring the performance for a B2B company. So we have the name of the event, how much the event cost, how many RSVPs did the event generate. We also have, you know, how many attendees, attendance rate, how many opportunities did we generate, pipeline created, expected close one revenue, close one revenue, cost per opportunity, and then the efficiency metrics that we like to call them. We use these to compare the event performance across different levels of spend or across different channels. So pipeline created divided by event spend, expected close one revenue divided by event spend, and then close one revenue divided by event spend. So you can think of close one revenue divided by event spend as, all right, great. So say we spent, you know, 30,000 sponsoring event and we generated 80,000 in close one revenue. We basically put $30,000 into our event marketing machine and we got $2.67 back in return. Really helpful framework to help think about measuring the performance of your events. And as you can see for the efficiency metrics, they kind of take into account different factors like how much that you would spend for an event, because obviously if you spend more for an event, you would expect to see a higher output in terms of revenue and number of opportunities. And then expected close one revenue divided by campaign spend is another really helpful metric. If you have a little bit of a sales cycle, you can kind of take what you've won to date and then the stage weightings of the opportunities that you've created and divide that by how much you spent on the particular campaign to give a leading indicator to your leadership team, to your executive team as to how a particular event performed. So you don't have to wait 30, 60, 90, or you know, 180 days after the event in order to start reporting on performance. I am obsessed. I keep saying it, but this is just such a helpful view. Chris, thanks so much for sharing your knowledge and insights here with us today. Any final thoughts before we move on to our next section? I don't think so. Thank you so much, for Camille, for having me. Thanks so much for joining me, Chris. I couldn't have done this without you. So next up, we're going to share three tips for cutting through the noise to drive event registration and attendance. We've got a special guest we're going to get to hear from. So first, let me give you some context. 
Earlier this week, I was able to catch Splash's co-founder, Ben Hinman, honestly, just as he was in the middle of cooking dinner for his family, he was very gracious. And I asked him one of the most common questions we've been hearing from folks. And he really kindly let me record our chat on the fly (laughs) to share with all of you today. So let's hear what Ben had to say about how to cut through the noise and attract the right attendees to your events in a post-pandemic world where attrition feels totally unpredictable and people are far more selective with their time. So here's what Ben had to say. Hey, Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. So, you know, what we're talking about is you know, really just kind of unpacking the biggest challenges that event marketers are facing today. We're distilling down some of the most impactful solutions that are really driving ROI for them. And so my question for you, because you've seen so much evolution in our industry, what's working today in terms of how event marketers can cut through the noise, get the right attendees to their events, and drive a, you know, that that meaningful return on investment that they're looking for. Sure. Event attendance has always been a challenge, um, but of course now in a more distributed world, um, people are more discerning with their attendance and what they're actually gonna spend their time on. And so it is a moment to double back into some of the basics. First and foremost, that includes making it look worth it. And so that means making the value prop very clear, making the event useful, and making sure that you're targeting people on a local level, so segmentation. Number two, and this one, it's, it's the answer is always you can do more when it comes to frequency of reminder and frequency of invitation. I would defer to about five touch points, but our data has shown that there isn't really a point where people say, hey, leave me alone. Um, Mm. Of course, we haven't tested past, call it six or seven touch points, but around that zone still works. As long as people have shown some level of interest, shown some indication of intent, then it's your job to help them understand why they should be spending their time with you. So I'd recommend several reminders leading up to the event and even on the day of the event, even two reminders on that day of the event, really getting them, uh, getting their butt in the room. And that's the last idea. You know... The one thing I've found to be a truism of events is that great people get great people. And so if you can early and often recruit the right people to come to your event and then put their faces on the invitation or have them reach out on your behalf um, or announce their attendance in some natural way, um, it's those types of moves that actually drive attendance. So what it really means is leveraging your speakers, leveraging your host committees, leveraging your salespeople to do the outreach on your behalf. The old fashioned host committee is still the tried and true best way to get people in the room. So from the top, it's a clear value prop, making it look super duper awesome, of course on Splash. Nailing the frequency of reach out, so early and often just reaching out to people. And lastly, uh, lining up that host committee or that speaker committee, getting great people to get great people. Love it. This was a great breakdown for everyone. Thank you so much, Ben. And I think that we have to bring you back onto the podcast and kind of dive into these topics a little bit more in depth. So if this piqued your interest today, if you're tuned in, stay tuned for a special podcast episode where I'm going to get Ben to drop even more gems on how to get the right people to your events. 
Ben. You're the best. Thank you. What an illuminating conversation with both Chris and Ben. If you want to see the slide deck that we referenced in this conversation and see Chris's slides, I guarantee you, you will want to see those. Check out the link in our show notes for this episode. And if you're more of a reader, we also have linked a blog post covering this topic also in the show notes. So check those out. That's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you have any feedback or any burning questions or topics you want to hear us cover on the podcast, let us know. We would love to hear from you. So send us an email at podcast at splashthat.com. That's podcast at splashthat.com. And we'll see you next time.